This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode of Marketing Trends features an interview with Jamie Gilpin, CMO of Sprout Social. Previously, Jamie served as the CMO of Envoy Global and the Vice President of Marketing and Branding at CareerBuilder.com. On this episode, Jamie talks all about social media and social engagement. She talks about how to use it as a medium for listening rather than just advertising and why brands should think of social as an opportunity for one-on-one communication. It's a great episode for anyone who's trying to figure out their social strategy from someone who has deep expertise and really interesting thoughts on the subject. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click the link in the show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have on the other line, Jamie, what's going on? Hey, how are you, Ian? It's a great day. And we are going to talk about all things social, which is such a hot topic all the time and uh, really just a new topic. I feel like social media feels like it's been around for a little while. It kind of hasn't. Uh, we're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about you know, being a CMO and what you're doing at Sprout Social. But first, how did you get into marketing in the first place? So I started way back in my academic pursuit. I actually began studying marketing in, uh, in college. So I was a PR, public relations and comms major. I loved advertising. I loved the storytelling component and was ready to jump right in. And then I graduated uh, right in that first tech bubble, for those of you who remember that, back in the early 2000s, and went into sales. So my dad was a sales leader, later became a customer care exec. My mom was is a psychologist, depending on how you look at it. So it seemed like it's something I'd be good at. And... And I really enjoyed it. I, uh, you know, love talking to customers, creating solutions, but I also just really love building PowerPoints and ultimately presenting the story. So I was at CareerBuilder at the time. This was my one third sales, uh, sales job. And um, I was there for about two and a half years and an opportunity came up to join uh, the marketing team as our first enterprise marketing manager. And so I jumped on it, got the chance to have that storytelling that I love so much, um, but do it not just for one customer, but do it for all of our customers and for our whole team at large. So that's how I uh, jumped into marketing. And you were a career builder for a good time, kind of working your way up the ranks in marketing. I'm curious, did, did you feel like you had a specific advantage coming over from sales? So it wasn't intentional. My path wasn't uh, something I didn't set out and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, uh, first start in sales and then jump into enterprise marketing. But I think it was it was definitely sort of meant to be. I'm, I'm a believer in fate. So I think the, the experiences that I have, that I had, especially in sales, set me up on a, a couple different ways. And then, and I can, I can talk through those. 
but ultimately um, set me up to be successful as you know our first segment owner, so enterprise marketing manager. And then within a couple years, uh, maybe a year, I became a manager, then director, then um, was VP within a four or five years. But um, I do think that my my beginnings in sales gave me a unique perspective that that has definitely made me more effective in marketing, but but honestly more effective just as a leader and, and as a professional. Uh, I mentioned before I, I loved talking to, to customers and this gave me a, a really important perspective on why understanding our customers and, and importantly the voice of customer, you know, as it became later, understanding, you know, why that is so important as we build both messages, but also positioning and, and how we ultimately tie our solution to the needs and truly the voice of our, of our customer. But beyond the really important part of customer insight, I think that the other side of it is um, understanding my partner, right? Understanding the sales process and how customers buy, where friction is introduced into the process and, and how marketing can play um, and give better air coverage, especially to, to some of those friction points. But just, you know, helping me also just empathize with sales challenges, understand the process, but most importantly, you know, be the, a better partner to sales and gave me an important perspective and realization that we all are working towards the same goals. You know, we all are, are uh, trying to do the best thing for the company. And so that sort of empathy and perspective has helped me in, in multiple ways coming over to the marketing side. So flash forward to now as CMO of Sprout Social really at the cutting edge of what is going on right now in marketing with social media being such a massively important investment for companies, platform for companies from customer support to sales to social selling, obviously, and marketing. What's kind of the state of, uh, the state of being CMO at Sprout Social? What do you, what do you oversee uh, as CMO? What's your team like? look like and and how is uh, how is the company prepared for continued success yeah so uh, so I'm an official sprout teammate for 18 months so I joined just uh, back in 2018 and one of those opportunities that you couldn't really pass up if you're from the Chicago market you've definitely and and you know on top of that any sort of uh, relation to the tech side of the of the market here but especially b2b stash you know sprout um, you know us uh, because we are one of the most successful, fastest growing tech companies in Chicago. But, you know, also, hopefully, uh, many of you listening uh, also knows us because uh, of the MarTech side of it and know of us as truly, to your point, one of the one in the cutting, uh, you know, part of a cutting edge industry and social, but also, I think more than that, truly best of the best in this space, an innovator in the space building, you know, intuitive software. And I think the other side of this, when, when I came over 18 months ago, yes, successful, you know, rocket ship can't pass it up. But the other side of it is we are truly, and this isn't just lip service, it's totally authentic, a company that uh, cares about our employees, about our customers, those, both of those together are our North Star. And as we think about, you know, not only just building great products, but how we are building a great company and truly care so deeply about our community and team. So I'm really proud, honored to be here. And as our CMO and what I oversee um, are what you would imagine, the, the um, really important functions of a marketing team, social, PR, comms, uh, demand gen, customer, product marketing, 
and of course of all of our digital side acquisition, our customer retention and growth strategies. So sort of cradled to to advocacy, if you will, from first engagement all the way through uh, creating raving fans out of our customers. Yeah, I love that you said that, the creating raving fans. I, I feel like this is something we talk a lot about a lot on the show. That's hard to do in practice, but it's something that people have kind of realized is, is so valuable now. What are some of your secrets to uh, to creating those raving fans? Yeah, so as you would imagine, social is a pretty big, important part of our overarching strategy, not just as a marketing team, but, you know, as a, as a, as a Sprout team overall, everything from what we do in marketing, from our sales side to our customer care, just like you mentioned. And so for us, raving fans is about really empowering our, our customers with two things, how to, how to better leverage social for their own business and for their own teams. So that's everything from, you know, thought leadership and how they just do social better to providing an amazing product they really can't live without to the point that they are on social, you know, telling their communities, their friends and, and followers about how amazing of a product we are and then you know, really elevating and amplifying that through, um, of course, social engagement, but offline tactics as well. And so I don't know if anyone knows or follows Sprout. Hopefully you do, but you've also seen our hashtag Sprout Love. And you can see the hundreds of sort of uh, raving fan moments that we have. But it's really critical to not only our, our philosophy and strategy to, to really elevate and amplify the industry, but also sort of social's prowess and position in, in what should be an entire business strategy. And to do that, you, you've got to tell the stories of your, of your customers. And so we, we do that in an intentional way, proud of the team and, and what we do. Yeah, I want to talk about social as a core marketing strategy. It's so funny to me that, like looking back on it, social media is like even a segment of media <laughs> like it's it shouldn't you know you you've said in the past that it's not like a channel and i i totally agree it's crazy that people kind of view it like it's a channel it's something completely different and i think that you know a lot of the things that we thought social was going to be for is actually pretty wrong that it has to be part of your marketing strategy it has to be a way that you can communicate with your customers and prospects it has to be something that you need to be on the ball all the time in real time having a conversation, not just kind of pushing stuff. I'm curious, like, what is the state of kind of marketing right now in the CMOs and marketing leaders that you talk to? How are they viewing social media as part of a core strategy? Yeah, so, uh, so we obviously talk about this a lot. One of the main reasons I was so excited to, to join this team because social is, to your point, it's, it's not a channel. We, we're, we're humans, right? We love habit. We like kind of forcing things into a box so that we can understand it. We've got a frame of reference for how to, how to use it. I mean, even if I think about, again, I said I, I sort of entered the, the workforce in the early 2000s. So I was a marketer when social, you know, this idea of social media came out. And we put it in a box. We thought, gosh, this is amazing. We've got a whole new way to, uh, a whole new channel, a whole new advertising tool, right? A new display network that we as marketers thought of that we've got uh, an ability again to just push our message into the, the minds and, and eyes of our audience and our consumers. But the challenge with that, and this is what I talked to, to my peers about, and there's, there's varying levels of sophistication. Just because you're a CMO doesn't necessarily mean that you've got the team and the tools, quite frankly. 
to really leverage the power of social, but those that do, I mean, the, the ability for your team to, to succeed both from, you know, again, across the entire customer journey um, is, I believe, really founded in the, in the ability for your team to leverage social. This new communication method, I talk about it more than a channel because if you're really just thinking about another, another channel, again, for advertising or amplifying your brand message, then, then you truly are missing out on opportunity to, to create raving fans, right? To know and serve your customers on a much, much deeper level. And so as we think about that, it's not just, just serving your customers in the way that they want to be served, right? Social is, is a communication method that we use person to person. And so it's no, no different than our expectation for how we communicate with brands, whether we chat or pick up the phone or email or DM or post, um, you know, at mention, right? They're, these are all the ways in which we communicate as people. And so we absolutely expect brands to do the same. So social really enables that one-to-one conversation at scale. But I think what, what we get excited about, what I get excited about um, is it's, it's not just that communication, but it's also this, this unfiltered, I also talk about it as the largest focus group, right? of really any tools that we have as marketers and as businesses to understand an unfiltered view of our, of our consumers, their needs, their desires, the problems that we're looking to, to help them solve all in this incredible treasure trove of, of data and insight. Well, I think there's also a certain amount of like screaming out into the abyss that a lot of people do on social media, you know, for good and for bad. But at the end of the day, it's like someone who is you know, a really needy customer or prospect or who is saying something good or bad or otherwise about your company, if you just respond to them like a, like a human being would respond, you see the change over time immediately of just being present and being empathetic and showing that. And it's such an, it's such an easy idea to say, but it's really hard to implement that, especially like at scale. Because ultimately like, Responding to people in real time takes bandwidth and, you know, potentially a lot of it. I'm curious, like, what are some best practices that you've seen of being able to engage with people at scale? Yeah, so um, I think it's, it's not just engaging with people at scale. I think it's, it's prioritizing social in particular um, and this communication method, right? Just the, just the way that we invest in marketing automation for email and chat, right? Conversational marketing. We've got all of these ways in which we're, um, engaging with our our customers and prospects for that matter. So really placing and prioritizing social at the core, not of, of like we've talked about, not just of your marketing strategy, but really your communication strategy with your with your customers and your prospects, is is step one. And so um, I know that sounds like cool, super conceptual, and great. How do you actually do that? I think there's there's some tactical parts of that, but then there. I realize that sounds conceptual, but there are things that we can do, especially as marketing leaders, because I think this is in many ways like our chance since social is still very much owned or managed in the marketing department. I think this is in many ways our chance as marketers to be that clear mirror for the organization to provide those customer insights that most departments either don't have, they're not asking for because they don't know exist, or we're, we're even validating some of the some of the assumptions that we've made across the business with true customer insights. So, so I do think that we've got to prioritize this as a as a marketing team. We as CMOs have to prioritize this 
in our teams, ensuring that we do have the ability, the tools, the resources, the people to be able to manage it. And then sort of tactically, I think there's another way to look at this, which is if you're using social, and especially if you've got the ability to understand uh, the performance of your, of your social content, right? This really impacts marketing at, at various different levels. Of course, you can make your, your social engagement and content more effective. And so that's more fans, that's more engagement. Um, hopefully, if you're tracking it appropriately, that's more revenue and, and customers acquired. Uh, but the other side of this is it's also a brand play. It's understanding, you know, what are those, those future campaigns, future opportunities to, to really resonate with your audience and, and, and take your, your marketing and your messaging, your brand to the next level. So it's not only just the performance and really understanding how you're leveraging social, but also, again, and that's sort of the tactical side, but more on the, especially on the more conceptual side is just prioritizing it and ensuring that you are the advocate for your organization for social and, and not to say that you have to validate, right, your investment in social, but really the power of the insights that come from social that ultimately drives so many parts of the business. So I want to take a step back and, and go from kind of the CEO's perspective to the CMO of the conversation that happens a lot of what's our social strategy. And I'm curious what you think the CEO's or the CMO's response to that should be? Yeah, so this is going to depend on a lot of, we always, uh, I always talk about this just at a, a broad level, so take social out of it. Before you talk about a communication method, before you talk about a strategy, before you talk about a channel, dare I say channel, you've got to start with like, what are the goals? What are the goals for the organization? Are we trying to, to make a pivot? Are we trying to understand like go-to-market fit? Are we, we that you know, early on in our business life cycle or even product market fit for a new product line coming out? Are we behind trying from an acquisition perspective? Are we trying to grow our customers and really retain and, and monetize our growth strategies? So, so starting there and then it's, okay, so how do all of our ways in which we're communicating with our customers how do we deploy those to ultimately reach that goal? And social, because this is the way that consumers are, are interacting with us, has to be at every point of that customer journey and therefore every part of those goals. But how we use it, how we use social is going to be really dependent on, on those goals. Well, you know, and I think the channel stuff, and, you know, you, I'm curious what you think on this, but I feel like the channel stuff came about with, you know, back in the day, it was like build your page build your account, get the most followers. And so I think we focus so much on building those things with the idea that, hey, if we build this just like we used to build email lists, that we'll have access to all these people and then we don't have to spend money to get them. And that's kind of just fundamentally not how it is anymore. So you have this piece where kind of like we spend a bunch of money as marketers on building these channels that aren't actually channels and really now are something completely different. And so kind of like what social media is has fundamentally changed for marketers and how you how you do that. So I think that like the like you said, the dialogue around that conversation with the with your board or with your CEO, a lot of times like comes down to some vanity stuff of like how many followers do we have? Like I mean, how many times have you have you heard from people saying, Yeah, our CEO just wants a million followers? Or they just want blank or whatever it is. Like, I feel like those are really 
real conversations that happen a lot that don't have anything to do with business value other than optics. And not saying that that is a bad, like that might be a very valid thing, especially if you're like early stage or something and you want to get to certain, you know, certain types of vanity metrics because it feels good or whatever it is. No, not to, not to say that that stuff is completely wrong, but it's a trade-off of resources. And I'm curious, like, you know, what are the types of things that you're seeing on the front lines to either head off those things or to like reframe how they look at what social kind of can be? Yeah. So I think I have not heard any, at least any of my CEOs and talk in, in, in a lot of detail on the vanity metrics, whether it be followers or otherwise. Really? Yeah. I mean, for sure, you know, questions around what is our overarching digital strategy, right? And, and how are we measuring engagement? How are you measuring the, the customer lifecycle, the full funnel? I'm sure there are CMOs that are getting those types of questions, but the, especially the good news with that is those, that's the easy stuff, right? That's the stuff that, you know, from a vanity metrics perspective, that's sort of table stakes for sort of level one of, of social media maturity of, in your organization. And so I think if, if those are the questions that you're getting, I think the next question should be from you, well, what, what's our goal with that, right? Like if we're, if we're going after that many followers, are we building a community? Are we, is it really just a vanity metric because we want more followers than our competitor? I think there's value in having those conversations. But for me, the, the next step is beyond those vanity metrics and around how socials ultimately as a communication method, um, empowering you to hit your goals. And that's, you can track it down to acquisition, right? You can track it down to the community you're building and uh, whether that's uh, retention or net revenue retention, there's so many, so many aspects of social that you can deploy beyond the vanity metrics. But again, I think the good news there is that vanity metrics are sort of table stakes. You should be able to get those pretty easily. And there's tried and true tactics on how to, how to build those. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard from enough CMOs that prepping for an IPO, trying to do this or that, uh, having their CEO hit a certain number of followers on their personal account. I've seen a lot of stuff like that where it's visible, it's so visible, and it's so, you know, are we bigger than our competitors that it ends up being a priority versus something, you know, like sales acceleration numbers, which, yeah, they're going to be tracking that anyways. But it's kind of the same way that CEOs are always extremely particular about swag. It's just totally. such a visible thing that I feel like there's, they just have a lot more thoughts on it because it's visible. I don't know. Yeah. And and to like the conversation we we're just having earlier, I think it's, it's dependent on those may not be, you know, super strategic goals, but, you know, going out IPO or trying to overtake a specific competitor in a sort of product line. I mean, there's definitely reasons why you would sort of push on those, those more visible vanity metrics. I guess my, my point in that is, is more around that. That's sort of like the old, I hate to even say old school because many, many, many companies are still using social in that way, but those are the, the stories and the, the success stories that we have. And so thinking about social in a bigger way is, is obviously the, where I get the most passionate. Well, yeah, I mean, you see these accounts that have, you know, 50,000, 100,000 followers, whatever it is, one like on a tweet, exactly. you know, one, one comment, but at the end of the day, they, you know, if they have more followers, some people think that that's success. If you were to position that same conversation and 
swap a metric with your CEO around that sort of stuff. Like, I know you want to hit a million followers, but perhaps we should be focused on blank. Like, what would that, what would that be? Honestly, over followers, and this is also in a sort of more vanity metric, you mentioned likes. For, for me, if we're, we're going to prioritize sort of social in this, this public way, whether that's for the goals that we talked about, competitive sort of positioning, if you will, or, or going out to the street or whatever the case is, I would prioritize engagement over that. And the reason why I say that is um, we've got tons of research on this and, and we're happy to share it or, or go to our, our blog to find it. Um, but we do studies on sort of the, the bigger power of social and, and more importantly, how social helps brands connect with their consumers and with their customers. And when you have that connection and, and a part of that, that measurement is really on the engagement that you have with your audience, when they feel that, that connection with you, they're more loyal, they, they actually buy more, they buy you over your competitor. And so that's where I think CEOs are, are more interested in, in how this communication method and this, and this strategic part of our marketing plan, yes, but hopefully business strategy overall is driving more loyalty with my, with my customers. They not only stay with me longer, again, uh, choose me over competitors, buy more, all of those things. To me, that's the, that's the power and probably the, the more interesting part of what this strategy and, and strategic part of the plan can do for your company and for your, and for your growth strategy. What are some other best practices that you've seen on really embedding social into your core marketing strategy? Sure. So, so I love the one, you know, a big exciting part of being at Sprout Social is, yes, we have a great product, but uh, it's also, we've got, you know, over 20,000 customers. And so as you would imagine that that's sort of the gamut from everyone from, you know, uh, nonprofits like Make-A-Wish Foundation to, you know, big consumer brands like the Chicago Bulls and Trek Bikes to, B2B brands uh, like Zendesk and, and Evernote and Glassdoor. And what's fascinating about sort of as you, you span the industries and you span the size of companies, but also the target audience, a lot of what we see or a lot of those strategies or best practices are consistent. And I think, you know, a big reason for that, we just talked about connection a minute ago, is that this is the, the communication method, right? The, the way in which we can be human. We can be human. You know, most of our advertising is still pushed messaging. And this is the place where, you know, you said earlier, you can have that, that ability to connect one-on-one, be human, uh, be authentic, right? Be empathetic. And the, the companies that we see do that effectively are really not only leveraging, but more importantly, getting the, the true power and true value of social. So I make that point about sort of the sort of span of our, our companies, but uh, mainly because I think I also get, you know, you mentioned our CEO is going to CMOs asking for followers. The other question I get beyond that is just, does it matter like how big your, your followers are or the size of your company? The answer is, is it really doesn't because the power of this communication method, would you cut off email? Right. If you're a small business, would you not use that? Would you not use perhaps chat or or an ability for your consumers and customers to to reach you? So that's a really important part of the ability for all brands of all sizes of all goals to to leverage social. So some of the best practices that we see we have Chicago Bulls is one of our our customers, and 
as you would imagine, you know, they are very highly uh, emotional connection as it is because they're uh, an NBA team, but they're not just here in Chicago, they're international, you know, tens of millions of bands all over the globe. And so what they've been able to do is really leverage, we talked about social insights, right? We call it social listening, but they'd be able to, to really leverage this social listening and understand sort of the interests and needs of, of all of their fans across the globe and, and develop a content strategy that really is relevant. It resonates across the borders, you know, all borders and helps them sort of just stay up to date in this ever-changing, obviously, sports world. And um, they really attest a lot to, to the social listening aspects of, of how they get there. But it's not just Chicago Bulls, like I mentioned. It's, it's companies of all sizes that can leverage this insight into your fans, uh, in the Bulls case, but your customers, your prospects um, into those needs and, and making sure that your content is more relevant, that ultimately drives that engagement, and ultimately that connection and loyalty for years to come. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we see it some of the best examples of social engagement with the accounts that are have products that are you know super commoditized because they have to be so creative and interesting and different and and pushing the limits of that sort of stuff and then you see a lot of social from places where there's a lot of customer pain around certain things like the airlines, obviously, uh, where people tweet about their bad airline experience, probably thousands and thousands times, times a day, you know, and then the fast food ones are hilarious. And there's, you know, as we're recording this, there's a just epic battle between Popeye's and Chick-fil-A right now. And stuff like that is just fun and funny and interesting. But I think a lot of marketers, especially on the kind of the B2B side, that don't really have what they feel like is a, you know, super fun, funny, relevant, sexy topic to talk about, kind of don't know where to go with that stuff. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on for those marketers who think that they're marketing a potentially boring product. So this is where the human element comes in for me. I've always been a B2B marketer. That's been my, uh, you know, my experience all through, through my career. And, and social has always also always been an important uh, linchpin of our, again, communication uh, strategy. Obviously, it's become more and more important as social has become really ubiquitous across we as consumers' communication uh, preferences. But as I think about that, you know, there's, again, we're not just, yes, we go to social, we go to the internet for that matter to be entertained, right? And that's still an important part and something that, you know, in our research back to, you know, the research that we do and we see in the index, that's still something that our consumers or, or uh, your audience, right, still wants to be entertained. But right behind that is to be educated. And, and, and actually a, a very close tie to that is to be educated. They actually do want to know about your, your product. And, and as we, we know, especially in, in B2B sales, sales organizations is your consumer, your prospects are doing the majority of the research before they ever fill out a demo form, right? Talk to a salesperson. They've pretty much made up their mind up until that point. And social, we see it in the data and, and we definitely see it, um, you know, as a marketing organization is a critical part of how they get those inputs. And so, um, so yes, we want to be entertained, but it, it has to be authentic. You know, we talked about some of the best practices, but I think the, the flip side of that is when we when we see brands and companies really struggle with, with social is when they're not being authentic, uh, they're trying to entertain, but they don't have that type of brand. They sort of lose credibility 
And then when it becomes that sort of self-serving platform, you really will do the opposite. I mean, you'll decrease engagement with your customers and almost create uh, moments of disconnection instead of connection. So for me, again, as a B2B leader, as, a, as tons of peers in B2B, of course, it's different um, in B2C, but still that communication method. So what, what do you want to say to your customers and how do you want to communicate that and how do you leverage their preferred method to do that? You know, we, um, we were at Serious Decisions with, with the Pardot team doing a bunch of episodes for, for marketing trends. You know, there's so much talk about conversational, about having conversations with customers and prospects in real time uh, and how important that is. We interviewed the, the founders of Qualified. You know, I love the idea that social is like part of your conversation strategy. You know, obviously marketing automation is huge to be able to do a million things that you want to do and then ultimately figuring out a way, however it is that people want to talk to you, you can talk to them. I'm curious, like, what do you think is next for social? Like, what do you think is going to be at the cutting edge of how we can continue to have like meaningful dialogue? Yeah, so I think this is where definitely we get, I get really excited about social. You, you started out saying, gosh, it feels like social has been around forever, but it really hasn't. I mean, even as, as a company, Sprout, we're going to have our 10-year anniversary, birthday, however you want to look at it next year. So we've been around nine years and we, we started around the time that the companies were starting to leverage, obviously, the, the big three, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. But, and again, that came out as, you know, how do we push our message to, oh gosh, this is actually a really amazing tool to have one-on-one -on -one conversations to, wow, there's a ton of insight. This becomes like the largest, largest focus group that we can have to this, this ability to connect with your audience and with your consumers and customers on a, on a much deeper level. I think for the next stage of all this, it's, it's going to keep evolving. But if it continues on the path that it is, again, I think it's just going to be even more, more pressure on brands to figure it out, but more tools for brands to be able to truly manage, but importantly, elevate the customer journey. Um, the entire customer life cycle from the time they're, they're researching, right, and looking at your product all the way through to retention, like I said, all the way through raving fans, the ability for companies to have one view into that. And so whether you're in customer care, whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in product, right, you've got one place to, to get all of that insight. And I think that's, for me, the, obviously the future and we're, what we are excited about. But for, for social overall, it's just this, this idea that you can truly truly can execute the entire customer lifecycle with that communication method. And so how does that tie into your site? How does that tie into your overarching communication methods? I think is what, what we'll be evolving and figuring out. Switching gears to just some general marketing questions. You stepped in as a CMO, you know, the last two roles. Uh, I'm curious, you know, building a marketing team versus taking over a marketing team, did you have a certain mindset going into those? Did you think about your first 90 days a little differently doing that versus when you were at Career Builder and kind of had been a, along for the ride for a while? So, so each of those experiences were, was a little bit different, actually. So like you mentioned, Career Builder, I was there for, I think, 12 years total, but on the sales side for the first two and a half years, then got over into marketing and then ultimately led the, the team over, uh, I guess, in a five-year span. 
But for, for that experience, I knew most of, of the folks I was working with, right? So I knew their strengths. I, um, there was a ton of trust built. And so I was doing a little bit of, of building and promoting within that, within that team still building because we needed new skill sets that, that we didn't have internally on in the team, but just a ton of promotion. And so what was gained there is definitely that, that trust and, and just knowing of your team. But on the flip side of it, there's definitely lots of other opportunity to, to ultimately just you know, completely build from, from scratch, which is ultimately what I did at Envoy, which is uh, where I was just right before Sprout. You know, Series C, much smaller. And I, I think we had just a, a couple folks and then built that team out to all the different functions so there, you know, you've got the ability to, to sort of hire everyone into the exact roles that you need, but you've still got this trust building. You still have this need to, to just over-communicate your vision, over-communicate the focus of the team, but also really get to know each other, uh, you know, get to know each other, of course, but also to get to know your team's strengths and ultimately, you know, how you continue to build the foundation for, for how the team gets work done. And so for Sprout, uh, luckily, I guess I was, I was able to jump into uh, a role where an incredible team is, is already here, right? The foundation is already laid. And so, you know, in this role, you don't have the luxury of knowing the team, but you do have, you've got a ton of sort of internal experience and knowledge and, and history as a team overall. So you can get to know, you know, folks' strengths in particular relatively quickly, but and this leads into your other question around the first 90 days, you have to be really intentional about taking the time to learn those and understanding the team, understanding where there's opportunities to just, sometimes it's just improving process. Sometimes it's improving structure, but yeah, there's a lot of that that you can't do. And I don't think you should do really within that first 90 days. The first 30 is asking a ton of questions here at Sprout, you know, we've got over 40 people in the, the marketing org. I met with every single one of them in my first 30 days, um, really assessed where the biggest opportunity is, but where you, you as the CMO need to, I as the CMO needed to focus um, in terms of uh, what are the small wins that I can impact, but then really figuring out like where we're headed and what are those milestones and steps to get there at least the common thread between all of those different experiences that I had as a, as a marketing leader, um, just the ability to listen. Don't assume. Don't assume you have all the answers. I've, I've learned that a few times, actually. <laughs> I've had to learn that over and over again a few times, but you know, don't assume that you have all the answers. The most important thing is to, to build the best team to ensure that you're, if you've got the team right, to ensure that they've got the, the best skills and the best process to be productive and get amazing work done. So, so yeah, each one quite a bit different, but some common threads, but also some really key experiences that have continued to develop me as a leader. You recently announced that Karen Walker joined the board, who's the CMO of Cisco. Um, what was that like to, you know, she's an awesome marketer and, and, uh, and to have her kind of involved uh, in the company had to be pretty exciting, I imagine. Oh, so exciting. So, She's an amazing marketer, right? Just very well known, but just an incredible person. You know, she's, she takes leadership really seriously. She has, obviously she's passionate about marketing, but, but also really, and more importantly, passionate about social obviously is, is where uh, she had a ton of interest in, in Sprout, but she's also just passionate about building careers and, and women in technology, especially in leadership and 
Uh, so I've had a, a ton of fun over these last few weeks since she joined and, you know, one-on-one settings, just picking her brain on different aspects, but also in board meetings. And I'm just really excited that she's joined and, and we're going to do great things together. Do you have a favorite campaign you've ever run or one of the favorites? I have different aspects of every campaign that I really enjoyed. For me, the, and maybe this goes back to your, your question about, you know, consumer brands can, you know, have all this fun and be entertaining. So for me, the, some of our B2B brands may not be as cool or sexy as a B2C brand, but uh, I just love thought leadership and that's such an overplayed word. But especially in this space, especially in social, um, so many people, and we've talked about it throughout this, this conversation, are, are trying to figure it out, right? Trying to understand what are the best practices? How can we leverage social uh, more effectively? And, and one of my favorite campaigns uh, that we've run here at Sprout is the, the Sprout Social Index. So it's a, I've mentioned it a few times in terms of research, but it's a huge research project that we do. You know, we use our, our own insights, but also survey, you know, a thousand consumers, uh, hundreds of brands, and to really understand like how, how we are uh, making the most of this, of this important channel, but obviously more importantly, communication method. And I think probably what's why it's my favorite is we can do fun stuff with it. Like we have our employees like doing videos of the data dance, right? You could, so you've got a, a really important social engagement aspect that, that we pull from it. Um, huge lead generation campaign for us. It's actually our most successful. Also gets us into media plays and, um, you know, Forbes and Wall Street Journal. I mean, there's so many awesome media opportunities that we've had. So it literally fuels every aspect of our marketing efforts. I get excited when we have a campaign that can literally be the the thread that ties all of our messaging together, which again is, I guess, not so fun, but it's uh, it's fun because, you know, it's the entire marketing team working together to, to create such an impactful but incredible campaign. So I'm going to go with the index fun. on that one. I mean, I yeah. <laughs> obviously I do. I'm getting really excited, but, but it's... Uh, yeah, it's not like something cool like uh, the Bulls would do, you know, any of our other uh, B2C customers. Benny the Bull doing a backflip and dunking it or something. Totally. Um, no, I'm with you. Any uh, biggest learning experience from a uh, from a campaign? I think there's been a couple, like I mentioned, I've got like favorite parts of all of all different campaigns and key learnings. I think the the not necessarily uh, bad campaigns by any stretch, but uh, I talked about earlier, you know, when companies struggle with socials, when they're being inauthentic or trying to be something they're not. I think anytime that we've, we haven't put the customer at the forefront um, and really thought about, you know, our customer's needs, the voice of our customer, what, what keeps them up at night, how we can make their life better and are just doing it for sort of the, the thrill and the entertainment value, that's when those have usually fallen short but still learnings from it. But I, I think that's probably where what I've learned the most is just always keep that customer at the forefront. All right, let's get into lighting round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing on the world's number one CRM that is Salesforce. Pardot's awesome. We love them. You will too. Check them out. Lightning round questions. Jamie, are you ready? I'm ready, I think. <laughs> Number one, what app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? 
I'm so serious. I don't know if it's the most fun, but my favorite app is 10% Happier. It's a meditation app. Oh, that is that is fun. Favorite one-day getaway in the Chicago area? So we have a lake house uh, in Wisconsin, and it's an hour and a half away, so it could be considered one-day getaway, but it's my happy place. Favorite book or podcast that you're reading or listening to that you enjoy? So uh, diversity, equity, inclusion is really important here at Sprout, and I'm on our leadership uh, team. I mean, for DEI, obviously more broadly on our leadership team. And so most recent book that I found uh, really helpful is uh, So You Want to Talk About Race. It's a good one. Hidden talent or passion? I don't know if it's it's hidden or a talent, but I um, I love to uh, karaoke. So sure. uh, yeah, love to sing and love to, to dance, uh, especially with my, my two young boys. We do a lot of dancing and singing around the around the house. A little dance party. We, oh yeah, every every weekend for sure. Most nights we try to sneak one in as well. What are you most excited about for the future of marketing? I talked about this uh, earlier, but I, I really get most excited about uh, marketing being that clear mirror for the organization, being the driver of the end-to-end customer experience. That's what I get most excited about and where I have a ton of my focus. Best advice for a first-time CMO? Listen, don't try to apply uh, the things that you've learned in your other roles. They're important experiences to inform hypotheses that you may have, but they're, they need to be tried. And, and so just listen, understand, and try not to make any big decisions, especially for those first 90 days. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? The one question that I wish I were asked, would you like some key lime pie? Unfortunately, I don't have any. Otherwise, I would absolutely offer you some. I get asked a lot of questions. I don't know that there are too many, but considering that's my favorite dessert and you can't really get it really here in Chicago, I wish people would ask me that more. I love it. Thanks, Jamie. This has been awesome. Great having you on, talking social. Appreciate you going deep on it. And uh, we're, we're just excited to, uh, to share this with our listeners. Any final words? Just appreciate you having me. Excited always to talk about social. And thanks again for giving us the time. And it's been a great conversation. You know a ton about it. So really enjoyed it. Oh, one more thing for our listeners. You are officially hiring. Can you share more about what, uh, what you're hiring for? We are definitely hiring, you know, building the team, adding a ton of uh, new teammates. So we're definitely hiring across the, the whole team, the whole Sprout team, so sales success uh, all over the, the org. But in marketing, we have five or six roles right now. So if you are in digital marketing, um, acquisition, demand gen, product marketing, internal comms, uh, sales readiness, enablement type of roles, please go to our website, sproutsocial.com and check out our careers page and, uh, or happy to, or LinkedIn me, DM me so we can connect. Awesome. Take care. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is created by the team at mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot. World-class marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes. 
and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in the show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.